Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Uh, It's a little bit different this week, the podcast, because I'm not here. By here, I mean at home in Ireland, in Dublin, in my studio. So I'm not really in a position to do a podcast. Uh, I'm actually in New York because when I looked at the fixtures and looked at the schedule, I thought, "Mm, yeah, fourth round of the FA Cup. We'll get someone like Oxford. I wasn't expecting us to get Manchester United, uh, which makes it a much bigger deal, a much bigger game, of course. But you don't go cancelling flights and stuff just because you've drawn Manchester United. Very kindly, though, James has stepped into the breach. He's done a couple of recordings, so we're going to get a United perspective, an Arsenal perspective uh, on the game this weekend. So uh, this is just my little explanatory opener. I'm going to let James take over and do the rest, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. James and I will be around on Monday, of course, to do an Arsecast Extra to talk about whatever happens uh, in the game on Friday. I'm still, yeah, Friday tomorrow, Friday night, Friday, it's Friday afternoon. It'll be Friday afternoon here. I think we're going to be watching in O'Hanlon's on 14th Street. If anyone's there, uh, it will be nice to say hello. So maybe we'll see a few of you there. For now, though, over to James. There won't be an end bit at the end of this podcast as well, because I just don't have time to do that. So without further ado, take it away, James, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Until then, cheers. Okay, I'm delighted to say I am joined now by Manchester United fan, poet, writer, man of all things, really, Musa Akwanga. Thank you so much for for joining us, Musa. 
My absolute pleasure. Pleasure, James. Uh, I mean, it must be a much uh, nicer time to be a Manchester United fan than it was even a, a few weeks ago. I mean, it seems like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's appointment has really sort of transformed the mood there. Is that fair to say? Absolutely fair. And I think he needs to be given credit because not just any former player could have come and taken charge of United and had this impact. Mm. You know, there's plenty of ex-United uh, players in the media, you know, pundits, we see them all the time. But the specific job that Solskjaer has done you know, tactically, not just man management, but tactically, has really been a revelation. Yeah, and I, I mean, I suppose the biggest change is, is it in the style of football as well as the mood? I mean, it seems like a very different style, more sort of akin to the traditional United attacking football that we saw maybe under under Ferguson. It absolutely is. And, and the reason I want to give Solskjaer credit beyond the man manager, which of course has been fantastic, is, you know, stuff like using Jesse Lingard as a false nine mm. against Spurs. That is quite smart. That's quite advanced. It's not the most obvious thing to do when you've got a player like Lukaku on, you know, on the bench or in the squad who has been scoring quite reg- with quite a lot of regularity. So, yeah, I mean, Solskjaer has he's done great things for the mood of the players, particularly Paul Pogba, who he's absolutely liberated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, tactically, he's been really quite canny as well. Where did you stand on the Pogba thing under Mourinho? Just because it's kind of interesting, you know, we've got a big midfield star at Arsenal who maybe doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with the coach. Uh, right. And I guess there are maybe some parallels with Pogba's situation. What did you make of the way that kind of played out and his subsequent transformation, shall we say? I'm going to be honest with you. At one point, I actually wanted them both to leave right? Uh, for, di- for different reasons. Mourinho, because Mourinho was basically creating such a toxic environment, which is what he does, unfortunately, everywhere he pretty much goes. Mm. Um, well, these days anyway. And Pogba, because, you know, I, I love watching Paul Pogba and I wanted him to be happy. I'm like, you know, football career is short and it's best to go somewhere where you can bring the best out of those talents. Mm. And we, we know that Pogba is an astonishing player at his best. And that was just, I could never see it happening under Mourinho at United. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that Özil is a bit different with Özil because, for very, I mean, for whatever reason, Özil hasn't fitted within the tactical brief of Emery, mm-hmm. even when deployed in a way which is his favoured way. Like he's been given chances in his favoured position, whereas Pogba's been played in his favoured position under Solskjaer and has absolutely shone. And maybe that is a difference. I yeah, that, I mean, that is a, a good point. I think there are some parallels, but I think there are distinctions. I mean, I think Mourinho is, you know, he's got a track record, hasn't he, of falling out with yeah, players in yeah. this fashion and maybe right. making scapegoats of some of the more creative players in his team, you know, going right back to someone like Joe Cole. Whereas Emery, as far as I can tell, doesn't quite have that history. You know, he had his issues no, no, with no. Neymar, but at the end of the day, Neymar was in the team every week. So, um, it does seem like a very particular situation, that one. It'll be interesting to see if Ozil gets a, a run out uh, in the Cup game. But um, as for Solskjaer, do right. you think what he's do- done in his seven games in charge is enough to to put him in real contention for the, the top job at the end of the season? Uh, my hesitation yeah. says it all. I think that he is making a stronger case than any anybody imagined at this stage yeah for sure but I, I think it's a bit dangerous to get caught up in the romance of this yeah it is a bit dangerous because if you look at um, when good teams turn the kind of screw you know Brighton are a good team I'm not going to denigrate Brighton Brighton maximise what they have when they turn the screw United look a bit rattled when Spurs turn the screw second half United look rattled and the real thing that you know top managers have is the ability to control games 
mm-hmm. for 90 minutes. If you look at Pochettino, you know, when Pochettino was actually the first manager to, to face Guardiola at full strength and basically knock him back where he came from. Guardiola, I think um, Spurs beat uh, City 2-0, I think it was, at, um, at home and basically out-pepped Pep, like pressed him out, you know, to extinction, basically, his team. I think it was 2-0. And that is what United are looking for long term, the kind of manager that can control games against top sides. And Solskjaer, I don't know if he's got enough time to prove that quality, to be honest, um, before United take a decision over the next manager. So if if not Solskjaer, then who? I mean, are you, a, are you an advocate of Mauricio Pochettino? I think he's amazing. Listen, here's the thing. As a football fan, I would like him to stay at Spurs because I love managers seeing through a project seeing right. through a plan you know so I, I don't like to be honest I don't like the idea of sort of poaching somebody from a club like Spurs because he's made an incredible contender of that team mm-hmm. um, as a selfish Manchester United fan of course I'd love a manager like that because he's one of the best in the world you could argue actually him and Diego Simeone relative to, this, to the um, resources they have are out by themselves as the best team managers in the world if you look at um, the resources they have to work with and the competition they have yeah, it's a tricky one as an Arsenal fan because obviously I would sort of really love Spurs to lose <laughs> Pochettino. Of course, would, you I, would. Yeah, you would. I, I, would, you would. <laughs> I would kind of hate him to be at Old Trafford <laughs> because yeah. I do think he's a, an excellent coach, like you say. Um, yeah, so that would yeah. that would worry me a little bit. Yeah. I yeah. wonder, uh, I wanted to ask you, Moose, because obviously as a United fan, you've kind of been through that process of having that iconic manager who's been in place for you know two decades and yeah. and the the change and the necessary process of evolution that comes following their departure I wondered if from the outside it'd be interesting to get your perspective do you see any parallels with with what's happening at Arsenal how do you think Arsenal are, are coping having lost not just Arsene Wenger but their chief executive as well as as United right. did when when Fergie went uh, how do you think Arsenal are sort of managing with what is obviously a, a huge situation to deal with I think Emery has done an amazing job I, I, I'm, I'm so impressed by him I'm so impressed by what he's done he's come in with so much calm he's got Arsenal playing beautiful football he's made some really smart new acquisitions hmm. in the market uh, you know I think Mislin Tat is really sad actually the, the loss of Mislin Tat is, is such a shame because I really want you know I really like Arsenal as a club and I I think they're a club that's really done things the right way so often when their competitors, including United, haven't. Mm. And they've really stayed true to themselves. And I, I hope that Mislintat isn't as much of a, um, a a hindrance as it seems to be, and maybe it's just a speed bump. Structurally, I, th- I think Gazidis actually probably did more damage than Wenger did, actually, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> that makes sense, because yeah. Wenger, actually, Wenger left behind a pretty good a pretty good squad, like a squad in a pretty good condition. You know, even players like Chaka, who are much maligned, I can say that as someone who's here in Germany, Chaka actually, I mentioned Gladbach, very, very good player. And mm. he's returned now to pretty much the player that we've seen. You know, he's still, he's still very card happy, don't get me wrong, but he's much more the player that he was um, uh, Gladbach. So, you know, Wenger did a great job in, the, in terms of the continuity, I think, uh, mm. less he's given credit for. It was time for him to go. Gazidis perhaps less so because if Gazidis had done a great job then we wouldn't have this whole Mislin Tats and Lehi standoff um, yeah yeah I think that's fair that you know, it, yeah, yeah, it does he, he assembled that executive team and then yeah. ultimately uh, stepped away from it before he could kind of figure out the, the politics of it you know how it would actually function right. and how it would work right. you know we heard they were all involved in the appointment process for Emery but uh, beyond that it seems like they were kind of left to sort it out for themselves and perhaps as and a, I, go on Jeff. Can I be harsh? I think that Mislintat was the guy who did not want to lose. 
Like, oh, yeah. I'd rather, in, in an ideal world, you'd have lost Sanlehi because Mesenstadt's track record is just extraordinary. Like, what Dortmund are doing now with, you know, they've reinvested all that money in beautiful style and they've got Favre there playing beautiful football. Um, you know, Mesenstadt, he was a big, and I hope he's not, you know, for Arsenal's sake, I hope he's not as big a loss as he seems to be. It does feel like a significant thing, definitely, because, you know, given that we don't quite have the financial resources of some of the other clubs in this league, that was our right. yeah, our trump sure. card, as it as it were, in terms of you yeah, know, being able yeah. to identify talent. And it did seem to pay some dividends last summer. You know, people like Torreira, Ganduzi. It obviously, so it's, good. It, yeah, yeah so good. great yeah. signings. And it's difficult to attribute, you know, precisely who's responsible for them. But it it it, it seems likely that Mislintat was heavily involved and certainly if you listen to his side of the story he was heavily involved so yep. it's, a, it's a shame that it's it's not worked out but I think with, with Sanya he without being too simplistic about it you know being Spanish and probably having some relationship with Emery before maybe that was always the, the link that was going to be strongest and maybe survive right. uh, but it, it is a blow I mean you know United experienced some some difficult years after Ferguson went and I think it's it's heartening as an Arsenal fan to hear that you think Unai Emery's doing sort of well from the outside. Is there anything, any sort of salutary lessons that United learned from that period that you think well, Arsenal yeah, should I take th- to I heart? Think, can I be honest with you? I'm going to be very, very, very yeah. brutal here about United. I think that Arsenal have exposed the myth that Ferguson was impossible to follow. It's an mm. absolute myth. It's an absolute myth. Like, if United had appointed Emery after or someone like Emery um, after Ferguson they'd have been far far better for it someone who's forward thinking positive ideas get the team playing football on the front foot right. make three, three good signings very early in the summer you know basically recruit with a, with a manager like Ferguson you start the recruitment process you know two or three years before he leaves Hmm. Which is is what you do in any corporate job. You headhunt, you know, two years in advance. Yeah. You look at look look at look at look at Germany. Um, Nagelsmann is going to take over at Leipzig next season. It's done. Everyone knows it. Like it's done. That's yeah. the manager. Like everybody knows what Nagelsmann's going to do, and that's completely normal. That's good corporate governance. And United have been absolutely exposed because the whole talk was, oh my goodness, Ferguson left a vacuum, which all the pundits lapped up. But it's nonsense. A good manager with modern ideas and three or four new signings to fresh up the squad is back in contention and is top four immediately again. Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho, these are all managers recruited based on what they had done and not what they could do. There was no sense their best years were ahead of them, that they could keep evolving. Emery, there's no reason why his best years are not ahead of him. There's no reason that makes sense that's a very interesting take on on things I hadn't necessarily heard many United fans express that before that you know that it's basically the mistakes of the club that made following Ferguson such a difficult act I am I'd love to say I think Emery was some kind of long-term appointment that was planned years in advance I'm not sure that was the case I think it was a bit of a a kickball scramble when they decided to sort of pull the trigger on Arsene but I do think they got a good guy for the job and I a really good a great guy yeah a great I think, guy. I think he's, exactly. he seems to be doing uh, pretty well especially against the the bigger teams I mean you mentioned yeah. getting back in the top four yeah obviously that's really important Champions League football to both Arsenal and United how are you feeling about your, your chances in the Premier League uh, pretty good um, only because and this is again I hate to say it it's because of resources mm. if all squads had the same resources United wouldn't have been as much as much of a shout but Chelsea have squad depth issues um, 
Arsenal, well, not, not so much squad depth issues, but squad balance issues. Yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal have good depth, but injury uh, is a problem. Um, so United, I think, and, and actually Spurs have injury problems. So United, actually, by default, by virtue of just having a larger number of capable professionals at the disposal, are in with a shout mm. uh, for Champions League. And that that is that. I'm not I'm not trying to denigrate the job that Solskjaer has done. It's been great, but I think it's also going to come down to resources and squad depth. Yeah, well, I think there are probably quite a few players within that United squad that for, uh, Mourinho had essentially written off. You know, who seemed to be performing a little bit better under Solskjaer. You know, somebody like <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. someone like Lindelof or someone like that. You know, it seems to be sort of suddenly a bit of a new man, and that can happen, right? A player can be yeah. invigorated, and it, it does mean that they've got plenty of options. I mean, given that. And given that there is a Champions League tie against PSG on the horizon as well, where does the FA Cup, coming on to Friday's game now, sort yeah, yeah. rank? How important a game is that for United? Do you think they'll put out a full team? What do you reckon? I think it's hugely important. I think Solskjaer wants it all. I think he wants it all. I think he wants the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. I think he's slyly going for the Champions League. He won't talk, he'll never say it publicly but he wants to go as far in that tournament as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually, weirdly enough, I mean, the Champions League draw is stunning. I mean, let's, let's be honest, Atletico, Juventus, Schalke City, it's, it's a gorgeous draw. Yeah. But PSG United was the one where everyone was like, you know what, under Mourinho, you, you can see PSG squeaking through, but now with United playing like this, you can see them coming through. But the FA Cup has always been, let's not forget, historically it's been very important to Solskjaer on a personal level. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a cup where he really shone for... Uh, United, and I think he'll want to win the entire thing. So I think I think he will put out a very very competitive team against Arsenal, and he'll want to win the thing. I, I think it makes sense, right? If he's on a yeah. essentially a six month deal, yeah. he wants to maximise that and do everything he yeah. can in every competition. He's almost not got the time or the luxury of sort of long term planning and right. thinking. Well, I'll prioritise exactly. this over that. He's just got to kind of go game by game. Uh, and United have such momentum. You know, I think they'll be desperate to to keep yeah. that going it's almost like it's like almost he's been subbed in you know he was the super sub he's basically coming as a super sub for us right. and he's been asked to turn around a season and he's coming and he's like you know he's throwing I think he will just throw everything at it uh, be that in the FA Cup you know the Premier League he's just going to go for every game with the same intensity mm. now I wanted to chat about a player who'll be coming back to the Emirates yeah. Stadium on Friday night and that's Alexis Sanchez uh, oh my goodness <laughs> where to start really I mean well first of all what I mean what have you made of Alexis since since that move 12 months ago do you know what it's extraordinary isn't it it's absolutely it's like watching a, a superhero lose their powers yeah it's so strange it's like watching someone who's got like iron weights around their ankles the mm. movement is sluggish. Um, you know, he's never been the best sort of combination player in terms of like, you know, playmaking, linking up with people. But now he just sort of looks out on a limb. And it, it's, it's worrying because you also look at the amount of money he's been paid per week. I mean, it's extraordinary sums. I mean, it's almost like sort of Chinese level, Chinese Premier League salary level. Mm. Um, and has just not delivered really in any kind of consistent shape or form and doesn't have a natural fit within United's first choice side. That's the biggest worry for him because when United are their best, he doesn't have a starting spot. No, I mean, is it is it Martial who's been playing on the left wing primarily in that yeah. in that kind of spot? Yeah, Martial is a superior footballer, like in in so many ways. He's a superior footballer at this point of his career, and you know, I, I just don't see where Alexis Sanchez fits into United's 
first choice plans at this point. I don't see it. Mm. Well, it's, I mean, as we know ourselves, I guess with Meza Erzul, when you have a, an asset on that kind of huge money, but they don't necessarily fit the plan, you're in a bit of a quandary because it's not necessarily easy to move them on, right? Wenger was a genius at knowing when to release players. He was a genius. Like even Van Persie, he knew that Van Persie had 18 months. Like yeah. That was a thing. That was a well-known fact. It was like, He's got 18 months at the very top. And Van Persie, of course, won the league for us. And his, his, his physical conditioning, not that he didn't care, but it, it went off a cliff because the, the style of play that he had, the dynamism was just lost. The athleticism was lost. And mm. I think that, unfortunately, you know, Alexis Sanchez is suffering from the same thing that Andrei Shevchenko suffered from. You play that much football at that level of intensity for that many years, mm. you lose half a step and all of a sudden, like, your game disintegrates. And yeah. that, I, don't, I don't want to sound harsh, but I think that's what's happened with him. Well, is it is it a little bit reminiscent, maybe, of what happened with uh, Wayne Rooney at United? You know, absolutely. Yeah, it's all these players that they've been playing flat out since their teens. Shevchenko since he was eighteen, Rooney since sixteen. Um, Sanchez, Sanchez was, I think, sixteen or seventeen when he made his senior debut. So yeah, and that that style is even more intense. I mean, you could argue. Sanchez is the most intense player the Premier League has seen since Rooney. I think that's a fair argument yeah. in terms of the ground they cover. And it's no disrespect to him. It's just like, it's just that, that many miles on the clock. No, it makes absolute sense. So you're not necessarily expecting, you know, uh, a Pogba-style renaissance from Sanchez in the second half of this season? I just think that, unfortunately not, because I just think that physically his game is so demanding. I'd love, don't get me wrong, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love people to be like, oh, that guy said he was physically just not not there but I, I think the physical conditioning is such an issue maybe in short bursts mm. maybe for like 25 minutes a game but but like as a 90 minute starter flat out I don't think we're going to see that Alexis Sanchez again well let me tell you every Arsenal fan listening to this is listening to you and also thinking he's probably going to score on Friday <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry it I feels absolutely jinxed, inevitable I think now. I have jinxed you guys before <laughs> I think I have jinxed this podcast before oh, sorry really? <laughs> well I tell you what I mean would you gonna, yeah, would you venture a prediction for, for Friday for the FA Cup game <laughs> oh my god the knives are out um, <laughs> are you feeling confident let's put it like that uh, yes I am I am because I think that Solskjaer will treat the cup with the respect it deserves. Um, mm. Certainly he will treat Arsenal with the respect they deserve. Um, and I think uh, that, you know, to be honest, can I be honest with you, I think that he's going to target the fullback areas maybe again. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to happen because it plays to our strengths in terms of United's width. Our wide forwards are very uh, are devastating. Well, it, it may play to our weaknesses I mean, because we've just yeah, lost Hector Bellerin. Exactly. Exactly, and you're and, and you know going forward, your fullbacks have been really strong, but I think there's room behind, um, you know, Kolasinac. Great going forward, but perhaps yeah, when when turning is in danger against that kind of speed. And now Bellerin's gone, he would have been such a great matchup for Martial, but now his absence is going to cause real problems. I think the fullback area is going to be crucial against Arsenal, mm. um, and I, I think I think that actually United may have slightly too question slightly too many hard questions for Arsenal to answer in that area. How how do United look at the back? I mean, is there hope for Arsenal there? Oh have... God, yes! Oh, oh goodness, it's a buffet. It's not as bad as it was, but it, it could be a buffet. Um, okay, well, there's you know, something for us to. Uh... <laughs> there, there is, there is. I, I think look, I think Lindelof has been much more. He's a much better player than he's ever given credit under Mourinho. Yeah. Um, I think that if Arsenal, weirdly enough, Arsenal can attack. I mean, it's weird for us. We have to attack you in the fullback areas. And I think you've got to go sort of straight down the middle um, and, and, and target sort of someone like Jones when he's playing out from the back. 
I think that's where you have a real opportunity with your sort of high pressing game mm. uh, to make a difference. So yeah, well, we've got we've got to go, we've got to go wide. You've got to go narrow. Interesting. Well, it all it all promises to be a fascinating game, and I do think it will be a terrific cup tie because I think both sides are going to take this one. You yeah, know, absolutely sure. seriously yeah. and, and, and yeah. go all out for the win but um, Musa thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us I know you've got a, a podcast of your own the Rabona podcast do you want to just let listeners know about that yeah absolutely thank you so much yeah, we had the great Andrew Magan on earlier this week um, the podcast is called Rabona uh, and the, you can find it on Twitter at Rabona Mag which is R-A-B-O-N-A um, M-A-G um, and yeah we, we put it out once a week and it's really just kind of everything Premier League German football we do a round up of the Spanish league yeah, it's all in there and we've got really cool intro music as well by Dabri shout out to Dabri um, yeah. Uh, but yeah please check it out if you get a moment great I'm sure lots of people will do but thank you Musa and uh, good luck on Friday but not too much luck yeah exactly made the best team win <laughs> as ever alright cheers man thank you so cheers mate bye Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Great, I'm delighted to say I am joined now by James Benj. He is the senior football reporter at Football London. James, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Honour to be on the Arsecast. Oh, great to have you. Um, it's been a really big week of Arsenal news again, all sorts going on. Not all of it good news. I mean, in the light of that, how big and how important do you think it was to get that win against Chelsea last weekend for Arsenal? I, I honestly don't think you can kind of understate 
or oh, sorry, overstate how important that was. I think you know there, there's so many little things. The fact that someone like Lauren Koscielny, that I think a lot of us that follow Arsenal were sort of debating, does he even have a career at the club anymore? Mm. Seeing him come through, seeing the team hold a clean sheet and look solid at the back for the first time in ages, um, and then obviously you know the, the simple practical stuff of the Champions League now looks like a realistic possibility and you've sent Chelsea careering into self-doubt and managerial loathing and all that I think it was an absolutely massive result um, and I really think it could be one of those moments where we look at it and say this was a, a time when Emery really worked out what he wanted to do obviously there's a few problems with that Ramsey's the 10 it's mm-hmm. great idea going to last but I thought it was a really important win you mentioned Ramsey there and I mean do you think this game shows that Arsenal kind of have to make use of him really while they can between now and the end of the season yeah definitely I think he's he's such a unique player I I know you guys were talking about this on on Monday how there's no one really I can't really think of many people in European football who do what Ramsey does because he's he's a bit of a throwback he's a little bit chaotic I think it's why I never like seeing him in that in that deep two because Mm. his instincts are to get forward and to get in and around the the area when you're asking him to press like that's a really good way of 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 exploiting those instincts but when he's sort of playing a bit deeper playing in the midfield two as a defensive midfielder he's he's really unreliable I thought he really embraced that job yeah it's been a weird season I think for Ramsey because in, in the in the summer you know Emery was talking him up saying he wanted to build the team around him then you know in the first few weeks of the season he was kind of in and out the side found himself on the bench a lot the contract offer was withdrawn and yet we're in January now the deal with Juventus appears to be done and suddenly he's in favour again it's it's an odd one isn't it it's hard to sort of decipher exactly what Emery has made of him in his time at the club yeah it's really weird. I, don't you think, you know, he is exactly the sort of player that Emery should have built his team around? He's- yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree. If you sort of said, you know, design for me what an Emery number 10 looks like, I'd say, well, it looks a bit like Ramsey. I know he's not a kind of, kind of pure number 10 in that sense, but uh, it does make you wonder, doesn't it, if the the decision on his future was a, a financial one, really, as much as a football one. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm pretty certain it was. I mean, it's. I feel dreadfully sorry for Özil about this, but so much of kind of what's happened at Arsenal over the last year has really all come down to giving Mesut Özil that massive contract. You know, mm. the truth is you can't put over five hundred thousand pounds a week into two players that basically can't play together in Özil and Ramsey. I think they made the wrong choice. I don't think they they knew at the time how how wrong it was mm. and I don't necessarily think Gazidis felt like he had a choice but like every game that goes by you just think Mesut Ozil is a brilliant player he's a great impact sub I, I personally believe but man like you, you, Gazidis' legacy is that horrendous contract and it's you know it's the sort that in like US sports it's like a franchise killer you, you, you know you've got this huge deal on your books that you, you can't really shift 
Mm, yeah, it is. It is obviously a worry, and heading into the summer, I'm sure it's going to be top of the agenda. As, as positive as the Chelsea result was, there was one piece of really bad news that came out of it, and that was the injury for Hector Bellerin. How big a blow do you think that might be for Arsenal moving forward? And how, if at all, do you think they're going to sort of set about making up for his absence? So. Um... I'm like the the convener of the Hector Bellerin fan club. I think he's <laughs> phenomenal, um, and I won't hear a word against him. And actually, I don't I don't think you can come close to replacing Hector Bellerin. Basically, since the start of last season, first Wenger and then um, Emery have basically gone. Well, we're not going to really have a right flank except for for Hector Bellerin. He can do the lot. And like sometimes when he's he's a bit off people seem to forget that, that he's just a one-man wing. Like, mm. there's very rare that Arsenal have played since kind of Walcott fell out of favour. It's very rare that Bellerin's had anyone to work with on that flank. You know, it's been Ozil or it's been uh, Iwobi, it's Mkhitaryan sometimes. They're all players that drift inside and, and kind of park themselves in field and Bellerin has to do all the attacking and all the defending. This season, he's done that really, really well. Um, and so I'm kind of I don't really know how you go and get around that Maitland-Niles seems like the obvious replacement particularly for the weekend I dread to think how Lichstein would get on against Martial or even Sanchez it's really tough and you can't go into the transfer market and and sign someone that can do half of what Bellerin can do because that's a 40 million pounds you know Kyle Walker is the only other player in the league I think he can do what, what Bellerin does it's such a big loss it is a really big loss and a real shame because Arsenal you know they played with the back four against Chelsea and I thought it looked really solid and Bellerin is such a big part of that you know you you wonder if Emery will have the confidence to stick with the back four without uh, without Bellerin there to kind of provide that balance on that flank do you think I mean there's a lot of debate about Maitland-Niles and what his best role might be in the future do you think that he is someone who could do a job right back in this in this period yeah I think he'll he'll. I think do a job is like the, is, is definitely the right way yeah. to phrase it he's not gonna I don't think he'll set the world alight but I mean I remember the Liverpool game last season when Kolasinac was dropped and I can't remember if Monreal was injured but Maitland-Niles came in and I think he, you know, he's. I don't really remember him having many bad games, particularly in those those big important matches that he's going to have to play. Like, he's he's solid. He's not, you know. I, I think he's got quite a good future at, at Arsenal. And I remember this was something else you guys discussed. And actually, I think you always want someone in your squad who can just be, you can play, you know, you can play left back, right back, midfield, wherever. He's he's a valuable option. Like he's probably never going to be a first teamer and you need to be careful with players like that that they're happy mm. being a jack of all trades but you know if he ends up being Unai Emery's Phil Neville you know playing anywhere that there's a, a gap to plug I think that's a good a good situation for him he's he's a good option at right back I do hope that Emery doesn't go back to the the back three because it was hellishly boring and I'm not really sure that Arsenal were better defensively just because they have more defenders on the pitch. No, it certainly didn't look like that watching it, I have to say. Uh, the the other big news really this week has been about Sven Mislintat, of course. I know the story broke, I think, last week that he was going to be leaving the club, but the club have subsequently confirmed that uh, an early February departure for him 
I mean, I imagine that's probably something to do with notice periods. I mean, I, I wouldn't know the intricacies of his contract. What's your understanding of how that situation has played out and why exactly it is that Mislintat is leaving the club just, you know, just a little over a year after joining? So there's, there's two sides to this story. And I think kind of, obviously the one that first came out around this was, was probably more Mislintat's view on it, which mm. is that he'd expected to be technical director. Um, and I can kind of understand why he was a bit miffed to not get that. I mean, as I understand it, he's probably going to go to Bayern. Certainly Bayern would like to hire him and they'd quite like to hire him as their technical director. Right. Now, you know, if the, if the best team in Germany think he can do that job, I kind of feel like Arsenal might maybe should have rethought things. And I think when you see that Edu was was the one being linked with it at the time when the news first broke, um, it, it's I would be quite miffed if I was someone of Mislintat's quality. I mean, I remember when when the rumours were first going around about Arsenal going to appoint a technical director. You know, you go and speak to people at the club, and they say. Well, look, just because he's he's not he's doing a good job doesn't mean he should get a promotion. And you think, well, I would think if I was doing a good job in in whatever field that I maybe should get a promotion. And I think that's where his frustration grew. Obviously, it would have been a really tough job as well. He's got nothing to spend this month. Not going to have they're not going to have that much to spend in the summer. Mm. From Arsenal's perspective, like what I've heard. Um, is that he's not necessarily the easiest character to work with and that, that, you know, there wasn't a great amount of communication between him and the scouting team. I just think, you know, even if that's true, even if he's a bit of a diva, you know, and that's my word there, no one said that to me, I think he may be worth it. Like, in in 13 months, he's gone and found Mavropanos for you. He's, you know, and he's played a pretty integral role as I've, far as I've heard in getting Guendouzi and Torreira in and he was very much championing those deals that's like 35 40 million pounds of spending and I think if you were to sell all those players tomorrow you'd get well over 100 million mm. I doing a good job if he's a bit difficult doing that job maybe you just got to deal with it I think it's such a big loss I know a lot of people don't agree with me but oh, I think that's going to bite them come back and bite them because Arsenal need to spend their money smartly and I think he was really good at that yeah I mean I'm inclined to agree you know and I even think if you look at the the deals that we did last January he, he probably played a pretty instrumental role in getting Aubameyang over the line I think that's fair to assume and I know you know that's not the same skill is kind of you know spotting uh, spotting the talent but I think you know, when you look at the few world class players we actually have on our books he brought one of them here um, so I think it is a real loss and particularly given the budgetary restraints we're likely to be working under uh, but I guess the January Charts window is still open he is still technically working for us what do you expect if anything from Arsenal between now and the transfer deadline so I haven't had my ear to the ground too much on this. Mm. You might even know better than me because I, I saw you tweet about Denis Suarez last night and it's, it sounds like that deal is, is getting more complicated by the minute, mm. which if we know Arsenal, the, 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 the complicated deals tend not to swing in their favour in the last few days of the window. So kind of wouldn't surprise me if nothing happens. The, the, the one I keep an eye on is, is whether El Neni goes that can free up a decent chunk of the wage budget and 
I think you probably, if you if you were smart sellers, which Arsenal aren't always, you might get fifteen to twenty million for him, and and suddenly there might be a bit of flexibility. Um, I think you know Emery wants a, a loan signing. Emery wants Denis Suarez. I, I personally doubt what use he is. Um, I think if you're playing the diamond, maybe he replaces Ramsey, but. Mkhitaryan I think could do that job as well I have a little this is just a feeling I have a feeling this ends with Arsenal getting no one which normally ends in demands for public inquiries and, and the like yeah I mean I I, 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 most Arsenal fans probably share that feeling because they uh, they've kind of seen similar things play out before how, how dangerous do you think that would be for Arsenal do you think you know they can afford to go through the January transfer window without making a, an acquisition it is tough because I know that it drives fans mad but kind of when you hear Emery sort of and you know when you hear people around the club saying oh you know it's hard to get players that are of a good enough standard I kind of have sympathy with that because you know Denis Suarez I'm I'm not an expert on Barcelona but from what people that are tell me he's he's good and he'd be a useful player in the Arsenal squad but He's not the sort of signing you make to, that will swing your Champions League campaign, like you know whether you get into the Champions League. I, he, he, he's a body that would kind of fill up a, a space. I think if they could go and get anyone that can play on the wings and really inject some pace into this this team, that kind of particularly now that Bellerin's gone down, I think that would be massive. And and that certainly if I were in, you know, on the Arsenal recruitment team, that's where I'd be looking to spend my money. But I just don't see anyone out there that's going to change Arsenal's season, that's going to make the match-winning contributions. I think it's it's much more important to get a system in place, whether it's the diamond or whatever, that really brings the best out of the, the players you've got there. Because like, for me, it's it's definitely a team that, that is capable of finishing in the top four. Yeah, I don't really see them... I don't really see anyone out there that improves the team, mm. which sounds I'm sounding a lot like Arsene Wenger now, I realise. <laughs> I think, it, you know, I think it is difficult in January to identify talent and find people who do, you know, Emery said it himself, I think, who do um, bring something new, bring something different. And it's surprising. I suppose it's a little bit surprising given the players we've lost, you know, Rob Holding at centre-half, Danny Welbeck as a kind of pacey potential wide forward. We've not really seen those kinds of players linked. And even though Denis Suarez is talked about as a wide player by Emery, he's not a conventional winger, is he? He's not someone who's going to get to the byline. He's more of an uh, Iwobi Mkhitaryan kind of playmaker type. So, yeah, it has been odd seeing the players we're linked with and it does feel increasingly like maybe it's it's not going to go anywhere. I'd love to think they were keeping powder dry from the summer. It troubles me that you say they don't, you don't think they'll have much money to spend then either. But uh, maybe other than Stan Kroenke, that's what we've got to get used to. Yeah, I, I've heard the two figures I've heard are either fifty million or seventy million. Mm. Now the champion, this the challenge that the Arsenal have is that everything changes on whether or not you get in the Champions League. Right. And I think it's more pivotal now than, than ever because three seasons in the Europa League, like, I hate to break it to you, but you are the sort of Tottenham from 10 years ago. You're a Europa League team and, you know, you start having to pay Europa League wages and sign, you know, you're basically competing with teams like Everton. Um, 
and I guess maybe even Chelsea at the current rate. But like you, you, you just Arsenal don't wouldn't have that financial might to just be able to say, well, we want um, Nicolas Pepe, for instance. He, it's going to be really tough to get someone like him if you haven't got Champions League money to spend. Like, yeah, it's, I th- yeah, it, it, it's, it's tricky. Sure. I think you know, one year in the Europa League isn't that costly, but when it becomes yeah. multiple years, um, you do start to give yourself a real problem. But nevertheless, the Champions League and qualification for the Champions League is kind of off the table for this weekend at least because it's the FA Cup and Manchester United. How seriously are you expecting Unai Emery to take this game? Do you think he's going to go all out for the win? Yeah, I think you've got the advantage, haven't you, of the Cardiff game coming up, which um, like might be a, a, a relatively easy game. I think you know, and there's there's little bits of rotation you can do. You can maybe take Kalasnac this weekend and, and bring in Monreal. Mm. Uh, I, but I, I I wouldn't see any reason to play anything other than the, the strongest team. Really, I think you, you're better off resting for the Cardiff game because that ought to be something of a gimme and you know coming off the back of the Chelsea win and also kind of factoring in how rough things are looking off field how much of a momentum boost would it be to beat Man United in the FA Cup I think every time Arsenal have beaten Man United in the FA Cup they've, they've gone on to win it as well which I know is you know, one of those silly statistical quirks but it's just it would the season would start snowballing on the pitch. I think if you could if you could get wins from both those games, like it would be huge. I think it would be. And our record in the big games, I mean, with the one notable exception of Liverpool side, has yeah. been better. Certainly, our performances have been better uh, this season in those games. We've been more competitive and and closer. I even think of you know the Chelsea game we lost at Stamford Bridge, yeah. but at least we we went and gave them a game. Um, we seem to find something of a, a formula against Chelsea that was really effective with that diamond midfield and that high press is United a game in which Emery rather than shaking things up and changing his system should he stick with what worked against Chelsea and, and try and deploy that again yeah yeah I, I hadn't quite thought of it but if I kind of think one of the advantages with what Solskjaer is doing with United is you basically know how they're going to line up which is a pacey front three mm. And then that, you know, in that four-three-three, and you think, what, you know, what's the weak link that we can, ex- that Arsenal can exploit there? It's uh, it's Nemanja Matic, and I think if you put someone like Aaron Ramsey on him, he'd give he'd, he'd give Matic a hell of a time. Um, and I think then, you know, you've got, I think Torreira, Guendouzi, and Jacka. Don't think they'll have any huge problems with Herrera and um, Pogba as well as Pogba's playing. Like I think it's a system that that both works for the players and works in those big games because you know your Arsenal's strength is they've got a lot of good central midfielders two good strikers and their wing backs like to bomb on so I think in general terms it's probably the, the best system he's got and I do really think it it works well against these these big teams I I think Matic would get rings run around him by um, by Aaron Ramsey but I'm acutely aware I'm tempting fate there <laughs> no, it is an appealing idea, certainly. And I was chatting to uh, Musa Kwanga, a United fan for this podcast, and he was saying that their weaknesses defensively are in the centre of the pitch, you know, holding midfield and, and centre-half. Um, 
conversely their strengths are going forward in wide areas so you know you just have to hope as an Arsenal fan that we don't miss Hector Bellerin too much against someone like an Anthony Martial yeah I for one am excited about Aubameyang versus Phil Jones I think that could have some major comedy potential <laughs> certainly in terms of the facial expressions of Phil Jones oh, yeah. as he's left on his arse by Aubameyang uh, James thanks so much for talking to me it's been great having you on and I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon pleasure to talk to you soon deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.